Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Full Fat Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Alan Paxton. I am your regular host. Sadly, again, my cohort, Scott Purvis, aka Full Fat Beard, won't be able to join us this evening thanks to uh, the requirements of adult life. But in his place, I am happy to say, fellow Team Geek member, Toby Thornton, has agreed to join me this evening. Uh, Toby, say hello and why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Toby. You may know me from uh, the Geek Guru YouTube channel. That's where I've spent most of my time on the internet lately, is contributing to Bobby's videos, mainly about Amiibo stuff. So if that's what you're interested in, you can check that out. Um, But I also do another channel, another YouTube channel called Married Couple Playing Games. And that's basically all about co-op gaming. And that's with my wife, Karina. Excellent. Well, as uh, Toby says, he is into his Amiibo, but we're not going to discuss that today because... Well, we could do a show for hours and hours on Amiibo alone, but he does really oh, yes. good customs. Uh, and as he mentions, Bobby Pauls, uh, the Geek Guru, he is a uh, part of the fold, and Bobby is always buying your customs before I can. Cause oh yeah, he he can't get enough. Of them. No, but he doesn't give anyone else a chance. He's no, he doesn't. I think you two are in on it. I think you make them and you send him a first refusal. I, I'm on to you, Toby. It's not a conspiracy. I promise. I don't know if I believe you. But the format of the show, if this is the first time you've joined us, is quite simple. Uh, Two guys, or a girl, sit down, have a few drinks, and shoot the shit about video games. Tonight, I am drinking Jarl, which is described as a hoppy blonde seasonal ale, which is brewed in Argyle, which is in Scotland. Toby, what is it you're drinking this evening? I am am drinking Stella Cidre, which is a, I I believe it's a Belgian cider, basically. Yep. Um, Stella are more known for their lagers, but they introduced a cider to their line, and it's quite lovely. It's not my favourite cider. If I had the choice tonight, I would be drinking uh, Carling cider, mm-hmm. which is just a, a lighter um, cider. Yeah. Um, but this is nice. It's still nice. I do like the cider. Is it the apple? Yeah, uh, apple one. The the raspberry one I've heard is good. I've never tried it. Oh, no, 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 no. Get get any of that berry stuff away from me. I don't like any of the raspberry, strawberry ciders or anything. So black currant. Not, not a fan of copperberg then. No, 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 no. I tried them and they're just I don't know, just too too fruity for me. There, I have a great story about myself at a twenty first birthday party with a crate of pear copperberg, which I can't discuss on air because it's uh, gross. But it's funny. I'll discuss it. I think one time. we I think we've all got a story like that. You do. I have many, but I'm Scottish. We're allowed. Oh yeah, but for for the listeners uh, tonight, we will be airing the first podcast that is the standard format for the podcasts. Uh, the last two have been very E three centric, discussing what we expect and then discussing as we did with Bobby and hopefully you listened, what kind of came out of E three and what we thought of it. Uh, if you haven't listened, you know you should get back on that. They're quite good episodes. So Toby, without any delay, I think we'll jump straight into the news and I think we'll get the sad part right out of the way, as anyone listening to this show will likely be in the same kind of groups we are, follow the same Facebook pages and follow the gaming news. This week it was announced, sadly, that Nintendo's president and CEO, Satoru Iwata, passed away at the age of 55. Now, as we speak, the funeral has taken place in Japan, and I believe, from what I've read, thousands attended. Toby, I don't know about you, but certainly when I read this news, it kind of was a bit of a kick to the stomach kind of seemed to come out of nowhere oh yeah definitely because i remember i was um 
I was asleep at the time and oh, I think it was Monday morning when I first heard it and my wife came to wake me up and she said darling I've got some sad news for you and immediately I went who's died because you know what else is sad news is she gonna have such a serious look on her face for and when she told me who it was I was just silent like I just I couldn't believe it it was so sad and then like for the rest of the day and all week actually I've just had this ache inside me and you know it's just it's such a big thing for you know gamers and the industry as a whole like it's affecting everyone so it's it's really sad yeah I was the same I mean the thing that kind of got me was every time a new bit of artwork was released you know from someone that was just kind of summing up their feelings it kind of just brought it all back you know that kind of sick feeling and you know regardless of how you felt about his business decisions uh i've been vocal about it you know the guy had heart about gaming the quotes aside a guy that runs a multi-billion dollar company you know who still took the time to help code smash brothers to help it run better and it's even talking about now it's still a little bit kind of fresh and it's going to be a while for that to dissipate, I think, amongst the fans. Mm-hmm. But as as is, our thoughts are kind of with the family, and I don't want to dwell on this too much. I just feel that we should have acknowledge, we should acknowledge it, and the career of a, a great man, really, and a kind-hearted man who, out of it all, never took himself overly seriously. Puppet Iwata is a great example of that. Oh yeah. And you know, we're not going to discuss it in this show, but whoever replaces that man has some very very big shoes to fill. Um, That's very very well put, Alan. Thank you. So we'll move past that and we'll get into the, not the proper news, but kind of uh, the less depressing news. Well, it depends. Depressing, you know, uh, if, if, you're not, if you're not Hideo Kojima, it's not depressing. If you're Hideo Kojima, this week's been a bit of a rough one. The slippery slope of his relationship with Konami has hit what I think could be described as the final low in that... The leaked box art now shows that the Hideo Kojima name has been removed from the Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain box art, and word comes from the Japanese voice actor for Snake that Kojima Productions has been dissolved. Toby, have you been following this kind of I drama? I have. It's been really interesting, and it's just... The interesting thing about it is the silence of it all. It's just all happening like behind a hidden veil and nobody really knows the truth behind it it's all just speculation at this point um but it's just like everyone's like ideas are different about what's going on like did kojima just have a falling out over is it over money is it over ideas did he just want to move on from metal gear and start his own thing with kojima productions as its own company and if that was the case then uh, I guess he would t- have to take his name off of other products yeah. since he, you know, his his company is separate from Konami at that point. But I don't, I don't really know what's happening. But it's definitely interesting to see it unfold, and I can't wait to find out. Yeah, I kind of looked at it after reading all, and I thought to myself, you know, this is going to make a really good book one day. You know, the the the, the oh, rise yeah. and fall of Kojima Productions, or excuse me, whatever the title would be, certainly post kind of the original announcements before this happened it was konami announced their shift in focus um they seem quite proud of the fact they're moving more mobile focused which uh, i don't know personally i think that could be a double-edged sword for them but i certainly think they're wanting to move away from the triple a big budget games and i think with kojima it his platform is very much a big bold Michael Bay-esque budget to give you this, this kind of game. I'm interested to play Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid 5 more now to see 
has you know has the development resulted in a game that's maybe mixed in terms of what it's trying to say? Uh, ha- has anything been compromised creatively? You know what? I don't think it has. For, or from what we've seen, I know they only show us what they want to show us, but from what I've seen, it looks like a very deep game, and it looks like the sort of project that um, he would want to like put everything into. Like it looks like he hasn't really sacrificed much for it, from what we've seen. But you could be right that this mobile shift might have gone against everything he stands for, which is maybe why he wanted to cut himself off from the company. But if that was the case, then I think, why not just wait until your game is out and it's finished and then do it and move on after the fact? Why do it yeah. like towards the end of development? It's, it's kind of like falling at the yeah, last Yeah, it's hurdle. very much... When you look at it, 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 it's a very negative cloud to have hanging over what is viewed as one of the biggest releases of the year you know i think next to kind of like batman arkham knight this is probably one of the biggest ones that folk are kind of and fallout 4 this is one of the the big tentpole games of the year and i don't think konami have helped whatever's happened has happened and they are so that they're they're burning the bridges as greg miller would say you know and just leaving it Mm. be i'll be interesting I think in a few, you know, five, ten years, we're going to start hearing more about what happened. I think now, with NDAs and such, we're never going to really know the the true story. But the future will be very, very telling uh, for what happened. And was it ego? Was it just creative differences? We may never know. But hopefully one day we all get a chance to to read that story. Yeah, it could just remain a mystery. But I don't know if... If everyone involved is actually going to be able to keep that tight-lipped about it, someone's going to crack eventually. Here's hoping. I really like gossip. I like an old woman sometimes. But sticking with strange situations, Devil's Third, a a game that seems to be uh, not getting a lot of love at the moment from previews, seems to be... Well, Nintendo America seem to want now to publish the game. Anyone that didn't follow the rumour originally on Twitter... Uh, it was tweeted out by Liam Robertson of Unseen64, uh, who we've quoted a few times on the show. He stated that Nintendo America would not be publishing uh, The Devil's Third in the United States. There was a lot of uproar. Uh, a lot of fans called him out, saying he was a liar. However, there were subsequent rumours that seemed to support that, stating that Xseed, who have a history of, de- of publishing Nintendo titles in America, were stepping in. However, the flip on that was, near the end of the week, Nintendo America have now announced that they are indeed publishing the game in the United States. And from what we're hearing, again, it's all rumour and hearsay, is that that was as a result of fan uproar, which confuses me, considering the fans have all demanded a proper Metroid game and haven't gotten it, but that's by the by. Um, Toby, have you been following this from the beginning? Have you come in at the end? Well, you know what, the first time... I ever heard of Devil's Third was at E3 where I think it was what, a year ago, two years ago now. I can't remember when exactly, but they announced that it was coming, like the project was saved, it was coming to Wii U. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Like Nintendo are saving another game that might not have actually finished development. And, you know, like they saved Bayonetta too. And I thought, you know, that can only be a good thing. Like, surely Nintendo wouldn't do that for a game that's going to turn out to be bad. Um, and they wouldn't show it off at that early stage if they didn't have confidence in it. And then I didn't really hear of it for about another year, and then all of a sudden, like, all this news about it not being published in America by Nintendo and and them, like, distancing themselves from it, I was like, oh, hang on a minute, there must be a reason for this. 
So I looked into some gameplay videos of it and um, I saw a couple of websites that had a preview of it um, just a few days ago and they were playing it and what I saw of it, it was so bad. And I mean, I haven't played the game myself, obviously, but when you see something that looks that bad, like you don't blame Nintendo for wanting to distance themselves from it. You know, the, the shooting is subpar to what standards are. I know standards are, are high now because of massive franchises like Call of Duty and Battlefield. Like, everyone's expectations are so high for shooters now that it's kind of hard to create a new entry into that um, genre. But I think that just everything about this game, the graphics, the gameplay, like, everything I've seen of it is just, it doesn't, it looks like a subpar, like, sub-average game. And I think... You know, Nintendo are right to not want to publish it. Um, maybe they should have realised that sooner. But I mean, you said that they they wanted to re-publish it, or you know, they wanted to confirm that they are publishing it because of the fan outcry. But I think they have done that before with um, games like Xenoblade and Pandora's Tower on Wii. So the fan outcry, yeah, that. That can be, that can work, but I don't know if it will work in Nintendo's favour this time because they, those other games were good games, but Devil's Third, I'm yeah, not so sure. Yeah, I mean, it certainly would appear they were, I don't know, maybe trying to get lightning to strike twice with that game, like you say, Bayonetta 2 um, being a huge hit when they saved it. But even when I saw this game on the 360, I was just <laughs> confused by the thought process of, of saving this game. And this, well, today I was reading that uh, Itagaki, obviously the producer of the game and director sorry he has stated that you know if you've played it with the gamepad try playing it with the pro controller as if you know that's going to save a game that's apparently running fairly below par visually uh, in terms of frame rate you know it does and the, oh, the textures it, are it just looks like a well. playstation 2 game it does and when you look it at really game does. i mean the wii u okay it's not a powerhouse but it can produce beautiful games bayonetta 2 is an example of that solid 60 frames a second you know Mm-hmm. That game doesn't look much markedly better than what you're getting. I would say Bayonetta 2 looks, in t- some areas, better than, than Devil's Third. And I don't know, perhaps the man's ego has got in the way and he can't accept that perhaps the game he's produced isn't great, but I suppose he will defend his works to the end. Yeah, I mean, I did read that he said that he wanted to just finish the game because he didn't want to disappoint fans. And I think that he knew that it's not really up to the quality he wants it to be but he's still continuing development on it, still wants to put it out, just so he doesn't disappoint yeah. people. But I think he's doing that to his own detriment. He's he's like, he's trying to finish, you know, you can't polish a turd. If a turd's a turd, then it's, it's always a turd. Yeah. So I think he's trying and, and he's failing Indeed. at that. But Devil's Third, another kind of strange... Devil's Turd, that's what it's going to be. The photoshops will be amazing. It'll be great. It will but be. We'll move on. I think to better news, um, we discussed this last last podcast was the the Kickstarter announcement at the Sony press conference for Shenmue Three, which has been a game everyone's been calling for since Shenmue One and Two uh, kind of ended abruptly with the demise of the Dreamcast. Which I can't wait to finally get hooked up to my TV. I've, I'm, I'm going to be order, I'm ordering the uh, VGA cables to come soon because I've decided I want to play it again. I know, it's so sad. Amy keeps looking at me when I mention it. It's like, can you stop talking about this now? I've yeah, I I've actually got I think three different Dreamcast consoles, just just because they're not the best at 
not dying on you. So I've I've had one that doesn't read discs properly. Like sometimes it's it's just it plays discs when it uh, wants to. Temperamental machines. So, that's why we love them. Yeah, exactly. So you I just hope it works. Out. It's been under my. Uh, it's been in storage now since I had it. Um, so I'm hoping it still works. But we'll find out. Mm-hmm. I got Dino Crisis for Amy. I got her a PlayStation One for our anniversary, and I got Dino Crisis for me because it's one of my favorite games, despite all its flaws. Love it. It's a really Dino Crisis One it and Two. Let's not speak games. about dinosaurs in space on the on the Xbox, but you know Dino Crisis One and Two are great. Uh, so I bought that for her, and I thought, well, I want to play this, and I don't have to take that console back here. So I'm going to also order Dino Crisis for the Dreamcast. And it's about 20 quid. I didn't know it, it was is. on Dreamcast. It, I don't think it's much improved over the PlayStation version, but at least it means I don't have to steal my girlfriend's anniversary present. I suppose it will be similar to the Resident Evil releases on N64, the basically yeah. straight ports. I mean, really. I, I'm having issues. You probably saw my post on Facebook with my N64 because I am wanting to order mm-hmm. uh, Resident Evil 2 for it to play it on the N64, see what the, the kind of parity is. But so far I can't get it to work. So, but I've got a lot of solutions. Mm-hmm. One involving Vaseline, which is very weird. But you know, I'm not <laughs> sure I really want to do that. Get funny looks from someone as I'm lubing up my console. But yep. Shenmue Three, back on topic, has now earned six million dollars on Kickstarter, which is an insane amount of money. N- near enough. Yeah. Near enough six million. Obviously, the, the the issues aside of whether or not this is kind of fully above board, when Sony have already said they're funding the game. You know, this is just to. What was it they said? It was to gauge fan fan anticipation. It's it's uh-huh. a very strange way but to gauge anticipation, as you know. A... It is very strange, especially considering the stretch goals that they've got. Because there's a lot of stuff on there that you think like would be if if they were being mostly funded by Sony, a lot of this stuff would be included in the basics of the game. You know, like even things like translations for different um, regions. And uh, Shenmue One and Two cinema shorts, like surely that Sony could cover the cost of those yeah, I mean, things at least. They seem more like marketing. Uh, well, obviously, exactly. Language translations, not, but like little shorts is marketing. Though. So, are we paying for the marketing budget of the game as well? It's it's very strange. But you yourself mm. have actually funded this game, haven't you? I have. I pledged sixty dollars. Yeah, so this so that game. would be about fifty something pounds, because we are. In, you know, British as we were. Yes, it's so basically uh, the price of a yeah. full price game that you'd get over here, console game. And the reason I pledged that much is because originally, when the Kickstarter launched, I was disappointed because you couldn't uh, you couldn't get a reward of a physical copy. It was only digital PC or digital PS4. But about five days in, something like that, they announced a physical PS4 copy, and at that point, I was sold because. I love my Shenmue, and I really wanted to get a physical yeah. copy. So I thought, I'm going to pledge, just so I can get that. That's the minimum you had to pledge to get a physical PS4 okay. copy. I didn't know that. I, myself, I'm the same. I don't like digital. I prefer download it. It's fine, but I'd rather have a digital... Uh, sorry, a physical disc. Uh, I like having discs. You know, the best thing about having a disc at the moment is the way the Wii U discs feel yeah. on the edge. There's something special about that. I mean, obviously, we all love opening a new game and smelling that new factory fresh smell and seeing it sitting on your shelf and you're proud to own it. It's a piece of physical thing that you can hug and squeeze and love. Um, but you can't get that with a no. digital game. The thing about so. Wii U discs, I, I, I was always amazed at that round edge it's got. I always wonder why why is it... It mm. feels great in the hand. 
and I actually was reading now whether or not this is true, folks. If I'm wrong, hit me up on Twitter. The reason it's a rounded edge, and this kind of shows the thought process Nintendo go into, is it reduces uh, vibration on the disc when it's being spun at high speed, so you get less disc tray noise for a more enjoyable. That's I. That's either incredibly intelligent the way they've designed that, or is just because it feels. Either nice. way, I appreciate it. But they did go different with GameCube they did, discs. They did, the mini and discs. Exactly. And I don't know, Wii discs, I guess they I were think just they were st- Yeah, they were standard DVDs, discs. if I'm right. Yeah. Because obviously, going back to Dreamcast, it uses GD discs, which are just CDs. Really. Oh, yeah. Oh, God damn, the Dreamcast is so loud oh. reading discs. But it's part of its charm, oh. Toby. Oh, yeah, I guess. You have to turn the TV volume right up, otherwise it's just... Oh. <laughs> it's like having the old, uh, the, the original PS3 I used as a Blu-ray player, and it, it you had to literally whack up the volume, or you couldn't hear it. It was... Yeah. The, the, the struggles yeah. <laughs> that a certain, some generations are never going to know with discs, you know? No. When everything's right. fibre, and it's all downloads, and petabyte hard drives, they're, they're never going to know the struggle. And I feel old saying that. That's really... You are old. I'm only 30. I still collect Amiibo when I'm 30. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm a man-child, according <laughs> to Amy. It's true. Mm. Aren't we all? We are indeed. But yeah, I mean, not really much more to say about Shenmue. There was obviously the little trailer they released, which, uh, to call it a trailer, was, was generous. Right. It was it looked more like a wee tech demo yes. of lighting. And the screenshots they showed of the characters, like the very first shots that they showed off at the conference they look really bad and it does worry me a little bit especially Ryu's face it's not the same as it used no, the, to be it looks, I don't know, it looks more ang- boxy it doesn't look as rounded mm. the thing I have when I look at all the the art assets they've shown I get a very strange it's kind of a, I get a Dreamcast feeling, I look at them and I think that looks like an early Dreamcast build of something Exactly. I mean, the thing is, I would rather just... I would be happy if it just looked like Shenmue 2, but in HD. But the way that they're... I don't know, if they change the art direction and make the characters look different, I'm I'm going to be weirded out. It's going to take me a long time to get used to it. I mean, I, I haven't followed it. I, I kind of was on the fence about this announcement, so I don't know the ins and outs. But is it going to still be kind of a, an open-world game? Well, they said that... Uh, he needed $10 million to make it fully open world, fully realise his ambition for the game, which was, you know, strange because if he, if they are getting backing from Sony, why can't yeah. they do that in the first place? So, I mean, a lot, a lot of the rewards, uh, sorry, the um, stretch goals are about basically expanding areas in the game. So I guess the more money they get, the more expanded the areas and the battle mode, and that's going to be. I'll tell you what, I'll take so... out a mortgage if they set up a system where I don't have to go to bed at 11 o'clock. Oh, I have to go to yeah. bed. It's like, what, <laughs> he looks like a 30-year-old man. I don't even have to go to bed at 11 o'clock. I think it's, it's brilliant. Not, I, I want to be able to stay up late and go and play on the arcade machines like I did in the Dreamcast <laughs> one. I didn't really further yeah. the game very quickly. I kind of like to go there. But yeah, Shenmue 3. I might pick it up if it retailed this, but I don't think we're going to back this one. The last game, and the only game I've backed, was Mighty Number no. 9. And I'm waiting for my copy of that, or my code for that to come for the Wii U. Maybe they'll do a Wii U version. I would buy that version of Shenmue 3. Oh, they're never going to. Never. I can live in hope. I would also love it if they had a stretch goal where they somehow managed to get around the licensing problem and we got Shenmue 1 and 2 as like a, a just a straight ports for download digitally. I would love that. Oh, man, and again, it would introduce folk that maybe never played Shenmue, you know, because I mean, there is a. Mm. I mean that that 
they are doing the cinema um, shorts, basically showing the story oh. of one and two, but it's not the same. I thought it was more to do. I thought it was kind of like a prequel to, I uh, not a prequel, but obviously like a lead into this directly. So it is kind of previously on Shenmue. Ah, yeah. Okay, that might help, but still, yeah. there's something about playing those games. I think comparing it now to modern open world games, it would give you a good stark contrast for a generation of game players. Might put people off. Though. Oh, one hundred percent, it would. I think maybe that's why they're not doing it, but I just think, yeah. it, for me, it would be a good fan service, seeing as that seems to be what they're selling this game on. Considering if you want to play the first one, you do have to pick up an original Dreamcast to do that. The second one, they re-released it on oh, Xbox. Oh, so they did. So you can And if you haven't version. played Shenmue, pick up a Dreamcast and play it, because if you've never played a Dreamcast, you've missed out. One of the you best have. consoles. I mean, it's, it's like the Wii U, I think. The Dreamcast and Wii U will both... Go- well, Dreamcast was loved kind of after it died. I think the Wii U is going to be the same. Folk are going to realise, hey, that was actually a really good system. Definitely. I think people are already starting to realise how much good there is to get out of a Wii U. There's so many good games yeah. for it now. People are always like, there's no games for Wii U, but they don't realise that there's tons. They just don't uh, see it. I don't know why they don't see it. It's a topic uh, we could talk about. Maybe one, Maybe uh, that'll be a show of itself, you know, why mm. the Wii U love get- Wii gets no love. But yeah. that's the end of the news section guys so the next stage and this is how the podcast will go from from this day forward except for especially three episodes and uh, one-off episodes where we just discuss one topic we're going to move into topics we put a shout out to some of our friends on the geek guru page we got some really good questions special mention has to go to Corey dirig of uh, digital nerd advocates and mark carabane from the warp whistle uh, first of all i apologize i think i just butchered those two surnames but your questions were awesome but, Mark, your one was massive, and we will discuss that in a different show. Corey, I think we'll discuss your particular question once the dust settles on the issue with Iwata. So, I'm going to start it with one that came in from uh, the Geek Guru, Bobby, and it relates to Nintendo's next console, the NX. And he's asked, what do you expect to see from NX? What are your predictions for the console? And when do you think it will be launched? So it's a, it's a triple-barreled question, uh, and I think there's a lot we can dig, sink our teeth into, mm-hmm. especially now that it's clear that the Wii U, uh, I think, come 2016, isn't going to see a lot of support from Nintendo at all. Definitely. Before I go, because I have been working this topic in my head prior to the question even being asked, Toby, we'll start with you. What do you expect from NX? What do you expect it to be? Man, right. So I expect something... Like, to be completely different. Like the Wii was a revolution, in Nintendo's words, I think the NX will be something completely different. Something that we haven't experienced in gaming before. I know that 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 sets very lofty goals, and, you know, everyone's trying to come up with ideas with what it could be that's different. Would it be any good? And, obviously... Most of us aren't hardware engineers and designers, so we can't really come up with many great ideas other than the dual handheld home console hybrid idea, which sounds cool, but I don't think that that's it. That could be part of it, but I think it's going to be a strange one, right? You might not, you might think I'm completely insane, but in December in 2014, there was an article on the Japan Times about Sharp. And uh, they were helping supply Nintendo with... This is a rumour, basically. They're supplying Nintendo with curved screens. So what that means is screens used to be just like squares, rectangles. But now there's this new technology that Sharp's engineering that they can make 
screens sort of go around things and have curves on the corners and all sorts of strange stuff like that. So apparently there was a rumor that Nintendo was thinking of having a hole in the middle of the screen, so it's like a donut shape. So I, I mean, thinking of a donut shaped screen, you you can't really think of what good that would serve any video game. But maybe something like that is the genius that Nintendo does yeah. see. It might not be a donut shape, but it, it could have some sort of screen on the controller that's completely different shape, and it does completely different yeah. things. I mean, I, I remember so, hearing about that because I've seen, when you, since you mentioned it, Engadget had an article about that, and they showed off some of the screens, and it was like in car dashboards. Exactly. And it was like yeah. it kind of curved around the, the air conditioner. Now, this doesn't tie into my idea, but it was something I spoke to my brother, uh, Stephen. He's he's uh, the designer of our logo, uh, and quite funny. He And we discussed a handheld system whereby the whole face was a screen, and your buttons were on the screen, so it kind of looked like it was floating above the game. And I thought it was kind of cool. It was this kind of way of it big making the immersion. And then we kind of figured out that the cost of that would kind of go against Nintendo's ideals. But I do like your idea, and I do think that possibly that will tie into it. I kind of think there's no point investing in that tech and then just leaving mm. it at the wayside. Although the vitality sensors never come to anything. So No. I mean, it could, obviously, that it could be something that's just a crazy prototype that they were working on. But it does say that they were like, I don't know what this all, how, you know, how reliable this source is, but um, they were saying that they want to start production on these screens for Nintendo in early 2016. Mm, well, that would um, tie in with a, a release in 2017, which is... It, it would, but then there's the thing of the quality of life products coming from Nintendo, so maybe it's just not related to the consoles at all. Maybe it's that part of their business that they're expanding yeah. into different they like to keep us on their for. toes, Nintendo. Well, in ter- terms of the first half of the question, what I expect it to be, I'm in a bit of a strange place. Um, I, I am the job I do. I'm very much I take in all the information. I come to a conclusion, and I've heard rumor and I've seen things. And you hear all the hype about, like you were mentioning, the the hybrid handheld home console. Now, while mm-hmm. I think that's a possibility, Nintendo are never a company to do what anyone predicts. You know, they could. You, you, everyone thinks it'll be a home hybrid, and it'll turn out to be some form of like headset unit. Even though I doubt that's what it is. But again, I tie into my thinking of another rumor that happened. I do think it could be a hybrid handheld system. I think the 3DS is coming to the end of its life. I think Nintendo see that the home console market for them isn't what it used to be, and I do think they're going to try and amalgamate the two in a form. But again, Liam Robertson of Unseen 64, the guy gets a lot of flack, but his stuff is solid usually. He's been hearing, and he tweeted out, that apparently the system will be not as powerful as the PlayStation 4. And that set everyone completely off, going mental. Calling him things and bad-mouthing Nintendo. But if it is going to be a hybrid handheld, you aren't going to get a, a hybrid handheld that is under a thousand pounds that is as powerful as a PS4. So you have to limit your expectation. I personally think, when you look at the GameCube, the Wii, and the Wii U, that's your best bet of seeing what the next system will be. I do envisage, if it will be a hybrid, that it is a slightly more powerful, or just about as powerful, Wii U in a handheld device. Everything about the Wii U is about efficiency. It can produce games that run on the 360, the PS3, at a much lower voltage than they could. And I think that's what Nintendo are aiming for, is a power-efficient setup, which means that they can maximise battery life. Because they're all about battery life. And if they do a hybrid, I think when you look at it, the Wii U is your best hint at where that could go. 
will the technology i mean all the technology in that system marries with what people think it's going to be and i think when people get angry that oh it's not as powerful as a wii u uh, sorry as a ps4 and nintendo are doomed they aren't thinking logically about i want to have a portable system in my pocket that's as powerful as a ps4 you'd need a car battery <laughs> It's true. I mean, Nintendo have never strived, or apart from maybe the GameCube, they've never really wanted to keep up as much on the power yeah. side of it. You know, the Wii was an underpowered console, but it it was like hugely successful. And the Wii U is obviously less powered, but I think in terms of game design and the amount of fun that I get out of the games on Wii U, like it doesn't need clearly it doesn't need to be as powerful as a PS4 to have great games on it. Obviously, it's not selling well because of the price, and you know when you compare it to other consoles like the PS4 and the Xbox One, it's not that much cheaper, and that's because of the gamepad, really, when you think about it. If they didn't have the gamepad, or they had only the gamepad, like you say, having it all in one thing, then I'm sure they could make it cheaper if they had if they figured out a way of yeah. doing that. Um, and they they I, I do think it's going to be. As cheap, if not cheaper, than the Wii U. I do think. Well, I, I certainly, I, I certainly think price. I'm gonna have to edit that bit out. I certainly think price is a major factor, and I think they've kind of got bitten with the 3DS. I think when you look historically, PSP, 3DS, PS Vita, when you don't hit a sweet spot on price, you instantly alienate a good chunk of the market. And I think a hybrid unit, while a great idea, has a very difficult path to walk when it comes to being. You know, why should I invest upwards of possibly £300 for a, a handheld that um, may not be as powerful as what I bought in the home? And I think it's a very a very difficult place for Nintendo to go. That's why I think, when you think about it, Nintendo will always surprise you. Are they really going to do that? What could the NX be? If it was a hybrid, would you have to have some sort of dongle thing that plugged into your TV to be able to stream your well, games? Well, this is it. And the, the problem I have with the hybrid is it kind of as a device goes against everything Nintendo have done with a handheld I mean you're talking about a system that is either going to use memory cards a la the, the 3DS which means they're going to have to be upwards of 128 well let's look at the GameCube sorry Wii U discs hold 25 gig a 32 gig memory card is 20 pounds and that's an SD card uh, unless mm. you go with a hard drive and they don't you know they've historically not been big on hard drives no pun intended you know uh, one gig on the so was it one gig on the Wii? Uh, I don't know. It, it was small. small on the and Wii, then though. 32 gig to 8 gig on the Wii U. I don't envisage that they're going to have a handheld with a 100 and something gig hard drive in it. It's no, it's very no difficult way. to see a hybrid system working. I'd love it. And I do think you're right. It would be a dongle or some sort of base, maybe with an NFC reader in it. I don't know. But it'd have to be like. It'd have to be carts. Like they couldn't sell discs yeah. for it. That'd and but again, it comes to size because I think the the biggest memory card you can get on a on a 3ds is eight gig. I think. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, how could they fit games of a quality of what's on Wii U discs onto a small yeah. little card? To go and then you that? have to find. I mean, again, it comes to other points like what kind of games will you play? Because uh, is it Xenoblade Chronicles X? You have a 10 gig dump for your hard drive if you want to have better streaming assets and lower loading times. You know, mm -hmm. again, that means the handheld would have to have carts and a hard drive. And it, maybe, again, Nintendo could surprise us. They could just decide to give the fan base everything they want. And if it doesn't succeed, they can come out and say, well, look, we gave you what you wanted. You aren't buying it. It's not our fault. We will see. To Bobby's second point, 
looking at this system, when do you think it will launch? I think it will be um, Christmas time 2016 at the earliest. But it will be a Christmas... I don't think it will come out early or mid-year. It will be late year. So if it doesn't make next Christmas, then it will be 2017. You see, I'm falling on the 2017 point because I don't... I mean, I look at Zelda and I'm wondering if they're going to do the Wii GameCube split. At this point, I think they will. I'd like to be wrong. I'd like to think that they're just going to say, no, this game was made for the Wii U. Here you go. But like you... There's a part of me says they need the to make money. The thing is, would you like it on the Wii U? It, it, if it came out on both, would you would you want to buy your NX console with a Zelda to play on it day one? Yes, exactly. Everyone would. I loved it when I got my Wii and I could play Twilight Princess. I was like, screw you, GameCube, not playing it on you. I want to play it on my new console. Even though it's basically the same I game. Was the same. Just because it was launch title and it's Zelda, it it felt special, and I think that. You know, uh, the majority of people, even though they say they would still want it to be pure and made for the Wii U, they would still want to get it on yeah, NX. I mean, it, it comes to if it was on NX, and again, the system's more powerful, which you'd expect if they're going to make it a home console, dedicated mm-hmm. home console, yeah. you would hope that it would have some visual flair that you're not getting. And, and you, you'd have to say that, well, that's what the delay's been. It's And honestly, I think that the stuff that we've seen for the gamepad isn't really that special. It's a map and you can zoom in on it, you can set waypoints, but really what is happening on the gamepad that you can't do on a TV screen? What I don't want is I would actually, I'm going to say this because I think it has to preface if if the NX is what we all want, which is Nintendo, and it may not be from what the rumours are, is Nintendo stepping up and saying, hey, we can play with the big boys. They have to step away entirely from the Wii U, the, the architecture that they've been building on for the up to the Wii U, and say, we're starting again, we're using a, a, a Jaguar, a, the, the 86 processors, a version of that, we're going to have more RAM, we're going to give you what you want. I don't know if they'll do that. Because again, I think they're still big on this value proposition. I think they see backwards compatibility yeah, as a mean... huge boon. And when you look at Xbox One suddenly going, hey, you've now got to play your 360 games. It's like suddenly people care. But the Wii U, you know, yep. by the yep. system, you've got access to the whole Wii catalogue of games, which is insanely big. Even though it is a bit weird, it's like having a Wii inside of your Wii U, and it's like, I'm over here. You know, you have to put the console into yeah. Wii mode. So it's not, you know, it's it's weird. It's like someone's physically shoved a Wii inside. Yeah, from what Wii. I read is uh, once you go into Wii, the Wii mode, it shuts off all the other cores and it runs it off on one core. And it's like, well, surely you could run the software in some form of emulation and have, have it overlap. Yeah. But again, I just don't think Nintendo put that much thought or care into it. It's like, no. you can play well, the games, and that's it. The it's thing- an easy option people don't always appreciate emulation and I know that playing emulated games isn't always the best way to play them sometimes there's weird things happen with them that you don't expect and different changes even though they might be like minute changes they're still there and it's not the pure experience so maybe having the Wii inside the Wii U like we say is the most purest way to play your Wii games if you're gonna if you're gonna play them on your Wii U that's probably the best way to do it. But certainly, for me, I think it's a 2017 launch. Personally, I, I don't know if they can ramp up production. Because I think if they were producing it now, there'd be things leaking out. And I think with... Even a year from now? It's not even, like, 
holiday 2015 yet? Is it going to take over a year to start ramping well, up? Well, so, I mean, the thing is, Nintendo, you know, notoriously tight-lipped. We don't know where they're going with planning. We don't know where they're at with development. I suppose you could say they could easily surprise mm. us and say, well, this thing's been further along in development than you thought. Here it is. I just don't know if they can quench the well, if there is a demand, because I don't know what damage the Wii brand has done now for this new console, <laughs> and I think it will come down to marketing. Now, if they market it right from the day they announce it, then they have a very big problem of we've made, the, we've we've set the demand. Can we actually, you know, meet it? Which works for yeah, them both ways. But then they like to artificially create demand. And... Exactly. When the Wii was launched, you couldn't find it anywhere, and I don't know whether that was them doing it artificially or not, but. The fact that you couldn't find it anywhere, it did make it seem like it was the hot thing to have and you needed to grab it. If you saw one, you had yeah. to get it. So I don't think there's there's necessarily a bad thing if they do struggle with trying to meet demand. Obviously, that would be a change from the Wii U, and a nice yeah. change. For I mean, me. I remember queuing up for it. My brother queued up outside of Toys R Us for his Wii. I already pre-ordered mine, but I queued outside the Toys R Us because I'd heard that they were getting component cables. <laughs> Um, and I waited all night with him, only to be told they didn't have any. So that that was oh, just, no. I was sat there going, I just did this. <laughs> I went home and slept. I didn't play the thing for like seven hours. Oh, but when no. I did, it was awesome, and I loved it. But I think we've said all that we can on the NX. We've we've speculated till the cows have come home. Well, actually, first of all, uh, me and Bobby are going to be talking more about this uh, in a video we're doing. But I think they're going to more. You know, they got rid of. The Club Nintendo. Thing. Yes, they did. So they're going to have some sort of service. I think it'll more be similar to PS Plus in the way that you get free games if you subscribe to their online service. But they might do just virtual console games or something. What What I would like to see Nintendo do is embrace cross buy, and it's something that's lacking at the moment. Is cross buy definitely? I mean, they are they they're slowly integrating that into their games. More of their games. More of the indie games really have that, um, but yeah, it needs to be standard for the next console. Yeah. It's a shame that sorry, I was just gonna say it's a shame like the uh, Mighty Number no. Nine hasn't embraced that because I think that would be a killer title to say if you buy the Wii oh, U definitely. version. Hey, guess what? You get free download code for the definitely, 3DS yeah. or vice versa. But I think that the new console should have more mobile integration built well, into Well, obviously the DNA thing, maybe exactly because they're moving towards that and. Mobile gaming isn't always a bad thing. I know it's got a stigma to it, but I think that even if it's not gaming, if they have like dedicated official app that you could check out what's going on on your console or what your friends are getting up to, and you know, like Sony's got apps for the PlayStation Four where you can you can buy a game and set it to download from your phone, and then when you get home, it's already on your console. It's downloaded for I, you. I, I did that. I, I remember when I got my I first downloaded the app. I went to the, I went on a night out and we're sat there and it was like, oh look, this game just came out on PlayStation Plus and I set it to download and I'm just like, this is the future. It's brilliant. So they need to get that in hand. But yeah, I think that's that's uh, the all I've got to say for now about the. Internet. But I'm looking forward to your video with Bobby because um, I know he's opinionated on the matter. Um, oh, he, he really and is, I can't yeah. wait to see that and um, possibly disagree with him because the guy's good, but he's not always right. No, I, I can agree with you there. He's not always right on a lot of things, but he won't like me saying no. that. If when he hears this, I'm expecting angry tweets. He he'll be enraged. Indeed. I just hope he sent him a silver Mario before uh, he hears this. Hey Bobby, <laughs> if you hear this, I love you, man. But we'll move on um, to a topic that you were originally 
a little bit apprehensive because you you said you weren't really engaged in this game. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm both immensely anticipate. I, I really can't wait to play this game, and at the same time, I'm also after seeing recent videos awfully intimidated by this game in terms of its scope, and that's No Man's Sky. No Man's currently Sky. believed to be PlayStation Four and PC exclusive. Not confirmed. It could easily come to Xbox One, but at the moment. For, for argument's sake, we'll say Sony are the, the, the development platform of choice for that game. Did you see the IGN 18-minute gameplay? I actually watched that earlier today. But before I, before I give you my opinion, I want to I wanna know what you think of it first. What I think of No Man's Sky. Yes, tell me what you love about what it, I love. or what you don't well, love. Well, what I don't love is that for the longest time, I mean literally up until this the, the IGN firsts, they've only ever shown to me the same demo on a different planet. Uh, guy coming yep. out of water, walks around a bit, yep. oh, look at the pretty, gets in ship, flies, ooh, play, up into space, ooh, more pretty. That's all it's been. They've never said... And it seems like they've been showing that for the past three years. They have. And I have sat, watched every video, and I've got to the point, and I've said it to Bobby, could these guys just either go away, get the game done and come back and show me what it is when they have something, instead of just teasing me with, well, this is the universe, but we don't know what you're going to do in it. And they have come back and they seem to have gone away and it, it, it looks to me, and I, I like a narrative-driven game. I love The Last of Us. I love Uncharted. I love any, uh, the Bioshock games. Anything with a driven narrative has me. I love it. I, I liked Minecraft because it gave you freedom. And I like that kind of freedom. But I like to also have a lot of tasks. I like to them if if they were to say, "Hey, you're in this world. You have to go and discover this planet, and you need, or you need to find this mineral to do something, and it'll unlock something." That's cool. I like to be told what to do a little bit on top of the freedom. You do need a little bit of direction. Yeah, I think what this game is trying to be is you are discovering it all. You know, it's all about oh, you found this planet first. You get to name it. The first planet I find, I'm calling Bob. Oh, I'm calling it. Of Bob. course, you are. Anyone that's seen Titan 80 knows what I'm on about. Bob. And everything will be called something Bob. Like Bobasaurus, if you see like a giant dinosaur thing. Uh, the bobbin for like a toucan type bird. I'm going to call everything Bob. Bob-omb. Bob-omb. Damn it, Nintendo, I missed that. How did I miss <laughs> that? I've got a list of puns here. But, what's, but what scared me about the game is in that 18 minutes is when he went into free flight mode and he just pulled out. And he says, oh, all those star- all those bright points are stars with planets around them. Mm-hmm. And then he pulled out again. And he says, that's the same. And he pulled out again. And it's just this ever-building amount of stars. And I'm sat looking yep. at this game. And I-, I gave up on being a 100% completionist a long time ago. I'm too old for that. And I looked at this game and said, I ain't visiting all that. If they're saying the goal is to get to the center of the, plan- of the universe, that's me. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get to the center. But you know what? You'll never get there. I bet there. you. I will. I'm going to make it my goal. You, you I'll won't. Make it. We should make a bet. What do you want to bet? I don't know. I should um... Steak dinner? That seems to be the thing at IGN. Yeah, but how can I buy you a steak dinner? I'm miles away from okay. you. You could always bet I'll send you a crate of Stella Cedra if I don't make it. And if I do make it, you send me a crate of my beer of choice. Fine. Deal. It's Deal. online Deal. I can't walk away from that. I'm I'm shaking your digital hand. I'm shaking right it now. back, sir. That sound. Hang on a minute. Wait a minute. When's the deadline for this? Because you could still be playing this game in twenty years. Oh, we want a deadline now. That changes yeah, the rules completely. <laughs> I suppose we could set a twelve month from release, one year from yeah, release. Right. If okay. I haven't made it to the center of the uh, the No Man's Sky universe, I owe you a crate of Stella Cedra. Deal. Done. 
I can't walk away Done from that. Deal. I'm going to have to get on Hello Games for like cheats and tips. But yeah, yeah, for me, that's what scares me. It's just the scope. But as I said before, you, you, when I initially said this is a topic I want to discuss, you said, well, I have no interest in that. But obviously no, something and- has changed. Something's changed because I watched this video, this IGN 18-minute video, and my in- my interest in it has changed, but not necessarily for as as a good thing. Because now I know more about the game and about how the gameplay works, I can see a lot of flaws with it, and I'll run you through those. Flaws. Please do. Right. So number one is the obvious one: is the scale of it, and. I think, yeah, it's it's unheard of to have a game this big. This will be the biggest in size, in scale game that's ever been made. Yes, and that's a technical achievement. It's definitely from an because uh, it's all procedurally generated. Everything exactly. is randomly created by this this. Um... But I think that they've spent so much time and energy on asking themselves if they could do that, but they didn't stop to think if they should stop channeling and... Doctor Ian Malcolm, sir. And the thing is, right, it's true. That is a very true statement because having a world that, uh, you know, a universe that big is not going to be good for gameplay because, number one, it's it you can't really have a story. True. And it's, it's not really going to have much of a story anyway. And there's only so much that they can make, like so many different planets. Yeah, there might be sl- the minuscule variation. Of, oh, this this planet has got orange grass and this particular type of creature and then you fly 20 planets away and you might see the same looking planet but with purple grass and the same type of creature like there's only so many variations of creature and planet and the foliage and everything that you're going to get it's not it's not like every one of these bajillion planets is going to be so different so unique and so worth discovering because that has been an issue that's concerned me it's kind of like um it reminded me of the Assassin's Creed problem of, you know, you can interact with all these, these non-playable characters, and the demos look really cool, but then when you get the game, it's like, I think I've seen these people seven times in the one crowd, and it does become an issue exactly. of repetition. But they have promised, I mean, they have set lofty goals, that's for sure, and I like to think they can live up to it. And the thing is, right, they're saying, okay, so if you discover a planet, you can name it. So they're giving you incentives to Bob. explore, right? But... Planet Bob. What that's going to do is that's going to make the player base just spread out. Everyone's going to be looking for undiscovered planets. They're all going in their own direction. So eventually it's going to get to a point where nobody is ever going to meet anybody else. They're all going to be off searching for their own thing and they're, they're suddenly going to find themselves surrounded by blank space. Like, it's going to be like. It's not going to be a social game. You might think that a lot of people are going to be flying about and discovering things together, but I think it's going to be a sad, lonely existence in No Man's Sky. Just described my life. I do think that's an issue. I think the only way to get around that is obviously that they have um, NPC-type characters that run the game that you can interact with and shoot them and steal their stuff. I think that's... Okay, that's um, true. But that does come back to my point about narrative, and it's, it's that issue of... What if you don't have enough people to fill your... Well, I mean, how many people do you need to fill a universe? How many people can you interact with? How is there a way to easily track people so if you want to find them and track what their stats are? So, like, can I be easily hunted by somebody if I improve my scanner? Can I find more people with stuff that I want to improve my ship? And mm-hmm. it, it's a, it, it opens up interesting ideas. But like you say, it's a case of what if I go on a game one day and I am just sat warp driving yeah. to the next light point to find and i i 
don't like the way that they've copied the GTA wanted level system when you're killing at creatures with your gun, your hairdryer ray gun, right? And all of a sudden, you're, you've got this robot flying after you, right? And all you can do is run away, or you can shoot it. But if you shoot it down, you suddenly you've got two cells, yeah. and then more of them come. And then you, it's just, it keeps growing. You keep shooting them, more of them keep coming. So that's going to happen so much. Like, who people want to kill stuff. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to enjoy that if suddenly every time they kill a creature that they're going to get surrounded by these sentient robots that are coming to hunt you down. Yeah, I do like the idea. I mean, the, again, it's like the possibility that that brings. Because every time they've shown it, they've shown it with this kind of um, Battlestar Galactica-type battleship, little fighter. Yeah. You know, as I go, can I build a bigger ship? You know, something like um, the Normandy from Mass Effect that I can wander around and have a games room where I can play games or I can go to my, my quarters and just chill and you know, if I've got music on the hard drive, listen to my music. It's all these kind of, can I do that? Or have they thought of that? I mean, as, mm. um, I think it was the kind of funny guys were discussing it. Can I build a Death Star? You know? I don't think you can, I don't think you can build anything in that game. It's not like Minecraft, like you can gather minerals and blocks and make your own house or, or prison or fortress or whatever. Like, it looks like you're just mining for stuff and it just goes in your inventory and then you can upgrade your guns or your ship or your backpack or whatever. But I think that the the shooting mechanics, for one, look terrible. Like, he, he was aiming. He was off on most of his shots, but they still hit. So you don't even have to be very accurate. And the way that you destroy the terrain, it looks bad. I don't... Like, as a shooter, it's not a good shooting, like, game. I know it's not just a shooter. It's more of an exploration game, but they're making that a big part of it. Yeah, I think it's big shooter possibility is kind of the space battles. Which is something they haven't yeah, really definitely. shown. Well, they did. I briefly. think the, the space battles could be. Yeah, cool. but again, I think that the, the, it's going to be like Eve, where they um, had the they have massive organized space battles with folk, where it's like you know they all prearrange it online, and then it's like one day you have two hundred thousand people just going to town on each other, which was ace. That would be cool, but then it's only cool. I think in that aspect, it's only cool if you've got two or three factions. If you could have groups that you can make and you can join so everyone knows who they're part of who their army is i think that's more interesting than just one massive dogfight everyone every man for themselves yeah i don't think the game i think you're right will the game work as a single player experience i think that's on them to prove it will Mm. likely live as a group experience you know like um like world of warcraft has and, and other games like it where you come in and you have people meeting up and questing together if you want uh, like destiny mm-hmm. has done that that's become very much a co-op centric game primarily because the single player is non-existent and that game i, I kind of mirrors what if you want no man's sky is doing on a smaller scale um i do think the minecraft tag to this game is warranted and i still think why i'm while i'm still inside to play it especially now that i've got a, a crate of my favorite beer on the line I will buy it, I will get to the centre of the universe, and then after that, it's not. on them to make me stay. They they did mention in the video that if you do get to the centre of the universe, it feels like the game is finished and you can put control it down, but there will be end-game content or something there that makes you want to keep playing or start again. Yeah. I mean, who knows what that will be? I mean, they joked that it was Peter Molyneux at the centre <laughs> of the universe. I thought that was pretty hilarious. I think if that was the case, um, I would just put the controller down and never play again, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> you've now won the right to have a conversation with Peter Molyneux. Uh, no thanks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, No Man's Sky. Is it this year? That, have they announced the date yet? Is it, or is it still? Oh, God knows. Yeah. They probably did, but if it's this who year, knows? we'll see. I would think if it comes out this year, it's going to be very much a, t- a holiday title. I wouldn't see it being mm-hmm. kind of definitely autumn. I think it'll be definitely winter. Well. It wouldn't be an episode of the Full Fat Gaming Podcast if there weren't technical issues, and episode 3 didn't disappoint me on that front. Sadly, due to issues at my end, the episode was cut short, and a couple of topics that Toby and I wanted to discuss were missed out, but will be asked in future episodes, so uh, keep an ear out. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, Toby and I had a, a lot of fun recording it. Thank you again to Toby for taking the time to come on the show and discuss with me just his opinion about the world of video games. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our previous episodes. Um, One and two are available on iTunes and will hopefully be going live on some of the other bigger podcasting sites for Android users and Windows Phone users once I get the time to get that done. I'm also happy to announce that following the recording of this episode, I was in discussion with Toby and he has agreed to be a regular host on the show. Now, the good news is that that should hopefully work around any scheduling conflicts that I have with the full fat beard himself, Scott, and will allow us to bring more regular episodes, and as we go, the quality will improve. So, I hope you'll keep an eye out for them in the future. I'm also planning some shows for August, particularly the Amiibo show that I keep talking about, so keep an eye out for that. We'll be discussing uh, when that'll be hitting on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of, you can follow me at Full Fat Gaming on Twitter and the Full Fat Gaming Facebook page. Toby is at Toby's Takes on Twitter and also at Married Gamers, which is also linked to the new YouTube channel that he set up with his wife, where they play video games together for your enjoyment. So check that out. And until we respawn on the other side, drink them if you got them.